0: Our scripture reading, I'll read from two places. Our sermon will be on Luke 14 verses 1 through 6, but first we'll read from Luke 13 verses 10 through 17, which is a similar passage with a slightly different emphasis. So, Luke chapter 13, verse 10 through 17. Here now the word of the Lord. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox and donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And then Luke 14, beginning at verse 1. Now it happened, as he, that is Jesus again, went into the house of one of the rulers, of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had droopsy. And Jesus, answering, spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him and healed him and let him go. And then he answered them, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, Will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day, and they could not answer him regarding these things. This far, the reading of God's holy word. Dear congregation, how do we use the Lord's day? What is the purpose that we see it for? And what can we observe from the Lord Jesus Christ here as He goes around on the Lord's day? Now you may remember that a number of months ago now we ended in the study of Luke, the chapter of Luke 13. And I would like to pick up again now at chapter 14. And there in in Luke chapter 13, we saw how the Lord really delivered this woman from her sickness, showing how the Lord delivers people from spiritual death, from from sin, from the bondage of sin. And in this chapter, chapter 14, he again heals a man, and it it shows that the the mercy of Christ, how, how Christ shows mercy specifically on the Sabbath day, on the day that is given for rest, the spiritual rest, as we will see. And so, our theme for this morning is the mercy of Christ, or the mercy of Christ as He shows it by healing this man who had droopsy. And He uses, firstly, the, the Sabbath day to show mercy. He, he, it's specifically on the Sabbath day, it says, that Jesus went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath he's invited by his Pharisees, likely after going to the synagogue, to go to the Pharisee's house and to have a meal. And the Jews were accustomed on Sabbath day to, to visit and to share meals. and But what's the significance here on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath day? Because you can also read in chapter 4, verse 16, where it, it points out that Jesus had the practice to go to the synagogues on the Lord's day, or on the Sabbath day, sorry, in the Old Testament, and so did the Pharisees. And here, again, he was teaching in Luke 13. But the Sabbath day really speaks of rest. In Deuteronomy 5, the the other place where the commandments are read, it shows how the Israelites were told to remember how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and given them rest. That's what they were supposed to remember on the rest day, the Sabbath day, the freed from the burden of slavery. And it's a picture of the rest that God gives His people from the burden of sin. And that's why Isaiah 58 says the Sabbath must be a delight, a day of joy, a day in love to God for what He has done. It's a day for your good, for your rest, and for your spiritual delight. In another place, in Matthew 12, Jesus quotes from Hosea 6, verse 6, and he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for the Son of Man is the Lord even over the Sabbath. There's another place he confronted the Pharisees for how they behaved on the Lord's day. And so he, the one who created the Lord's day, the Sabbath day, is, gave it for that purpose. And mercy is... Here in in Matthew, mercy refers to that compassion, the compassion for others. And in Hosea 6, that Jesus quoted that the Old Testament mercy really speaks of the the loving kindness of God. It's it's the unfailing covenant love and and loyalty of God. And he associates there mercy with, with the knowledge of God, knowing God. How do we know mercy? It's by knowing the God of of mercy. And especially God's mercy is directed to those who, who really do not deserve it. And here, or in Hosea 6 as well, God's mercy in the Old Testament is always contrasted with Israel's unfaithfulness. God's faithfulness with Israel's unfaithfulness. God's mercy with Israel's inconsistency in serving God. And we see when we read God's law, it's the, the summary of God's law is, is love. Love towards God. Love to your neighbor. And that is what mercy reflects. And so here Jesus uses again the, the Sabbath day as an opportunity to teach mercy in front of the rulers of the people, in front of the Pharisees who did the very opposite. Again, we see the contrast here, not only the Old Testament, but here where Jesus is teaching in front of the Pharisees who, who were binding the people on the, on the Sabbath day. They were inconsistent in their, in their work, and they focused on the outward rather than on the inward. And so here Jesus, as the, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Creator of the Sabbath, he, He's living out the true Sabbath observance. But we see that he accepts this invitation of the Pharisees, even though they oppose his teaching. He, he goes there and he shares in this meal. We see how the Lord is able to be in this world and not of this world. Last week we were reminded of that we are pilgrims. We are in this world, traveling through this world, and yet we're not to be of this world. But Christ, is, he comes to with, with that gospel purpose and with that mercy that he has. And so again, we can ask, how, how do we live out our days and especially the day of rest? Do we resemble Christ in how we interact with others? Because then we see Jesus shows mercy to the needy in our second thought. And here we are shown who the objects of Christ's mercy are and who he gives the rest to in verse 2 here, it identifies a man who had droopsy. Now droopsy, they, they say, also is known as edema, which is a sickness where it's um, the bloating, or it builds up with fluid in, in the tissue, and it really swells the body. And if you compare that with the other passage in Luke 13, we see a woman who was bound with infirmity, bent over and couldn't get up, it, 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 the, the bones fusing together. And literally, she's tied together and could not lift herself up. And so in those days, both of these diseases were incurable and severe. Now, often the Jews would view people like this as great sinners. There must be a reason why the Lord is punishing them with such a sickness. They must have done something seriously wrong. Even the Jews in John 9 were said to ask the Lord Jesus, Who sinned? because that man was born blind. Was it his fault? Was it his parents' fault? And so in the eyes of the Pharisees, these would have been seen as very uh, great sinners. The Pharisees, of course, prided themselves in in trying to obey God's law, in, in, in being good according to the law. But here Jesus, He sees them as objects of His mercy. He sees them with compassion. Jesus always looked on the multitudes with compassion. And didn't he say that the the healthy don't need a physician, but he has come for the sick? And look then what the Lord Jesus does in verse 4. And he says he he took him and healed him and let him go. And if you look at what those words really mean in the Greek, it means he took him, he grabbed him, he laid hold of him, you could say. And He healed him, and then He released him. And these words have, have a, lot of, a lot of vivid imagery to them. He, he grabbed, He healed, and He released. And then in Luke 13, the Lord Jesus did a similar thing. He, he called that woman to Himself. He freed her from that bondage. He, he released her like untying a prisoner. And so what did these miracles then show? Well, here Jesus is showing and exercising that true Sabbath rest as he shows this mercy. He, he's he's showing what true rest is and where that true rest comes from. He, he that's what he in, in Luke four. You can read of how the Lord Jesus read from the Gospel of or from the Book of Isaiah, and he said he was appointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover of the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And here is a man who is physically healed, physically set free, physically restored from that bondage of sickness. And that's what these passages emphasize. Luke 13 emphasizes being delivered, being loosed. And Luke 4 here emphasizes the healing, the, the restoration and so this is how Christ shows to us how he, he restores spiritually, how He shows His mercy to you and to me to deliver from spiritual bondage to those who are captive to sin and to death. There, there's an internal loosing. You know that when you're sick, you, f- you feel bound, you feel hindered from doing what you want to do and what you need to do. But when you're physically restored, you're able to return to work. You're able to return to your duties. And here with the spiritual healing, what are you restored to? Well, sinners are unable to heal themselves, unable to return to God themselves, unable to serve God like we should. But when the Lord, He grabs you by His Spirit, and He heals you, and He sets you free, He sets you free again to worship Him, to to follow Him as He created you to. And so here, Jesus in mercy, He lays hold of sinners by His grace. He heals and He releases you to go on and to worship Him, to do what you've been created to do in truth and by His Spirit. And that is that true spiritual rest that Christ gives in 1 Peter 2, even as we read last week, it says, By His stripes you were healed, renewed. The same word, renewed. You were, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's by the wounds of Christ that, you, that on the cross that you can be healed, that you can be renewed and restored. He can loosen you from the bondage and the power of sin because that's what He okay, overcame On the cross, when he defeated death, when he defeated Satan. And he can deliver you from that curse of death because he took it upon himself upon that cross. He was bound so that you could be set free, just like this man. He paid that sin debt so that you could be freed from that with that blood that flowed from his own wounds. And now by his spirit he restores sinners, restores and heals to a new life in Christ, so that you can walk as that new person. As Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, walk that way. <clears throat> walk in that new life. And so that true religion that Christ here is showing it frees you to be able to worship and to commune with Him. Excuse me. And so, this freedom that the Lord chose here is not only a restoring, but a resting resting from the bondage of sin and and death, able to serve God, but then also able to serve others as Christ here was doing. And that's what Jesus was doing, exercising the Sabbath rest by showing mercy and love. Micah 6, verse 8 said, He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And Jesus does this, especially in the sight of the Pharisees. We see here in our third thought, He shows it in in the sight of the Pharisees to, to contrast it with how they lived. It says in verse 1 that before he healed the man, they watched him closely. They're looking for something to accuse him with. And maybe it is because of what happened in, in, verse, in chapter 13 there, where Jesus healed and then that man was filled with indignation. And he said, six days you must work and not on the seventh. I'm trying to keep the letter of the law but not the spirit of the law. And the same thing happened in Luke 6 verse 7 where they watched him closely if he would heal that man with the withered hand. <clears throat> and so they accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath day, of breaking the rest day, because he was healing. They considered, they considered a non-emergency medical procedures as work. And so they said they had to. if it could wait till the next day, then it needed to wait till the next day. But unbelievers do not share in Sabbath rest and mercy. And here the the Pharisees, though they were religious, they were yet unbelievers, and they, they missed the mark because they're focused on the externals. And they still needed to experience that mercy and Sabbath rest that Christ came to bring and that Christ shows. They were trying to do the sacrifice, but without the mercy and without the love and without the true knowledge of God, as Hosea says. And so they miss that rest, and they're hindering all the other people from receiving that rest. It doesn't say how this man came into the feast if he was a family member or another invited guest or if the Pharisees actually brought him there as a setup, but the fact is that he was there. And so notice what Jesus asks in verse 3, the end of verse 3, he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Is it permissible? Not, not only is it a good idea, not is it compassionate, not is it loving, but is it allowed? Am I allowed to heal on the Sabbath day? Is what Jesus is saying, to help this person. And so he's really challenging their view. I and mean, he's uncovering their hypocrisy, but these Pharisees had to keep silent. They didn't know how to answer the Lord because if they said that it was not lawful, that would show their lack of love and concern for the people. But if they said it was lawful, then they had nothing to say against Christ. And so they they remained silent. They They had no defense. And they felt condemned because they knew that they only served their own interests, their own welfare. See, the Pharisees had misunderstood this Sabbath rest. They were trying to find a Sabbath rest in in keeping God's law and, and making some 400 of their own rules to make sure they didn't break God's law. But their focus was on trying to obtain salvation by their works. So they were working instead of resting. Now Jesus is doing things on the Sabbath that they view as work instead of what they think is rest. But Jesus here was observing the law in spirit and in truth and not neglecting the heart of the law. That's what he tried to teach in Matthew 23, where Jesus told them that they were diligent in observing the little details of the law and paying their tithes. But he said, you've neglected the weightier matters of justice, of mercy, and faith. And he said, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. If we focus only on the external rules of the Lord's day, then we, we lose this, the rest that God has given. And then we increase the bondage That's what the Pharisees are doing, increasing the bondage of the people. And you're hindering the works of mercy. You're hindering the work of the gospel. But then lastly, Christ shows that it is lawful and even important to do mercy on the Sabbath. And He asks the second question then in, in verse 5. He says, which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? So Jesus, here really is making an argument from the lesser to the greater to show what he is doing. And he says, if 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 they consider, if even the Pharisees considered it important to pull an animal out of that has fallen into a pit, an animal that is endangered, if they consider that important, to do on the Lord's day, then how much more is it lawful to do the works of mercy for other people on the Lord's day? And that's his point here. And the emphasis is put here on the fact that these Pharisees would immediately grab these animals and and pull them out of the pit, where they would certainly perish. And that's what Jesus did here, He grabbed this person the same way the Pharisees would grab their animals to pull them out. And and the Lord Jesus, he pulled this man out of the pit of misery that he was in. And there was the physical ailment that he had to show and demonstrate what he does spiritually to to deliver sinners. And Jesus calls them hypocrites in, in, in Luke 13. Because they value their animals, their own possessions more than other people. They would loose their donkey even for a drink of water. But they got mad when a woman was loosed. And so we need to see that if people, if we care for our animals, for our own possessions, how much more does the Lord Jesus Christ care for needy people, for needy people here and around us? And how much more must we be focused on caring for one another, to love our neighbor? is fulfilling the law of God. And so these miracles teach the heart of the commandments, that love, that justice, and that mercy. Jesus accused the Pharisees of being washed on the outside, clean on the outside, but filthy on the inside. And so again, we need to ask ourselves, what does our life look like, not only during the week, but also especially on the Sabbath? <clears throat> First of all, it is, It is a day to delight in. It is a day that is to be holy and separate out of love for God and love for our neighbor. If we only keep it in the outward sense, in the formal sense, then we kind of, we miss the point. It was created for physical rest, but it was especially created for spiritual rest. It's a day, as the commandments say, that we need to remember how Christ delivers, how Christ heals and sets you free to, for what purpose? To to worship Him, to, to set us free to do what He's created us to do. That is, worship God and glorify Him. And so that should be our first duty as well. Our first duty every Lord's Day is to worship and glorify God, both in private and public worship. We always need to be careful that we don't fall into the formal reti- routines that are unhealthy. It, it's easy to to make it a day that's separated for ourselves, that it's a day filled with our own ideas instead of separated for the Lord and for His gospel. But it is also a des- especially a day to find mercy. It's especially a day, as Christ showed here, that He, he, he works. He works of mercy. It's a day to seek God for for him for for the healing of your soul to deliver you if you do not yet know of that freedom and liberty of the soul. <clears throat> Christ demonstrated he came to deliver from the bondage of your sin. And he calls again as he does so often, come unto me all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. If we find that we're never finding that peace and that rest with God because we're trying to keep His command, we're trying to work our way to be accepted by God, He says, no, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come unto me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. <clears throat> it is through repentance and through faith, nothing of our own righteousness, but all in what Christ has done. And here the Pharisees were doing the very opposite Instead of resting in God and showing mercy, they were working to try create their own rest. But it resulted only in greater burdens. They're the ones who the Lord is showing is, are laboring and are heavy laden, and they're binding others. But if you know yourself to be like this man who has, has the droopsy, or this this, man, this woman who has the infirmity be bent over, you feel yourself tied by your sin. You feel yourself burdened by your guilt. It, the Lord calls us to Himself, and He is the one who can set us free. He says, Call on me in a day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify Me. But then it's also a day of hope, of that eternal rest, of looking forward to that eternal rest that God is in store for His people. That though He sets you free from your sin, here we're not entirely freed from all sin. But the day will come when He will pull us out of even this world and set us in that place of eternal peace and eternal rest. But all this, I believe, points us to show us that there is a day to show mercy. That if Christ has shown you mercy, that if we have the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, we also of all people should be showing mercy to others. It's a day that God specifically gives us, where we can rest from our work, we can lay aside all those responsibilities that we have, and focus on not only Him and His worship, but on the works of mercy. It's a blessing in a way that we can have one day where we don't have to worry about our daily occupation and our daily needs and 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 we can look to others and to see where we can help others. And we can ask ourselves here, what or how can we be more like Christ in, in showing mercy to sinners, to people around us, not only to the household of faith, as Peter calls us to to remember first, but but to all the people around us. How can we share that message of the gospel? How can we bring the word of mercy to people who are bound in their sins? and to show to unbelievers. Because the one thing that's clear from this passage is that sinners cannot save themselves. Just like these people cannot heal themselves, all sinners are bound by their sin. And it is only Christ who can deliver them. And we can direct Him and point Him to Him. And it's only through that message of the gospel that they come to hear and to believe. And they will never be freed unless Christ frees them, unless they hear. How shall they believe unless they hear? And that is why we need to interact with unbelievers. And that is why we need to pray for them. That is why we need to speak to them. That is why we also may take these opportunities as Christ did, to be invited to other people's homes and to invite them into our homes and to be able to speak to them. There's going to be obvious times where you where you know that wherever you're being invited is a place you should not go. It's a place only of temptation, a place where there will be uh, no, <clears throat> a very limited opportunity to share the gospel and a place where you yourself will be in danger to sin. We must stay away from all of those places and those times. But we must not e- turn down every opportunity if we're invited to a neighbor's home or to a to a family or to a picnic. But like Christ, if we're invited, we must come with that mercy, with that compassion, with that kindness, and with the gospel purpose. Remembering that we are pilgrims, that we are not to be of this world, but we're to be in this world, traveling through, to come with that meekness and humility also, that knowing that if Christ can save us, then He can save others. And that we, having been shown a little of the mercy of Christ, are also called to show the mercy of Christ to others. So how can we be more involved in our own community with our neighbors to pray for them and to show them the mercy of Christ and to speak to them And not just to lock ourselves up in our own little community. Because it's interesting, even in this community, how many people don't even know what this building is for? They think it's some private function that nobody's invited to. How can we be the hands and feet of Christ to show his mercy to others? And so does our Lord's Day, our rest day, the New Testament Sunday. How, does, how do we live? Does it have a healing effect to our families, to ourselves, and to our neighbors? Or does it have a binding effect? Do we restrict Christ's mercy? And does it, or does it show the spiritual rest that we have received or find in Christ? Are we neglecting or are we observing the weightier matters, as Christ said, of mercy and justice? Amen.